Right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Cosmic Connection. Today, we are going to be doing something very exciting. The seeds of this were planted during our Astrology Foundations Level 1, Level 2, and the Chart Reading Extravaganza experiences that we have done with Rick Merlin Levine. And so many of you students have been asking, how do you do what you do with the technology? Like, how do you actually use it? And it's such a great question. And I think something that we sort of take for granted, we have these amazing astrological softwares to use now, and there's not a whole lot of information about how to use them. And I know we're all grateful for them. It means we're not actually having to do charts via hand. We're not having to do complex math. We can hit some buttons and get to see everything very quickly. And there's still the learning curve of actually learning how to use it. So Rick has very generously agreed to do a tutorial for all of us. And Rick, I'm so glad we're finally doing this together. Thanks for being here. Well, I, it seems like after not seeing you for a while, I've seen you every day for the last few days. And <laughs> and and we'll actually get to pull this off today. How exciting. By I mean, the way, I hope, I hope that's a good thing. Birthday, say again? I hope that's a good thing. I mean, it's it, a good thing. Yesterday's okay. birthday party was such a blast. I don't know if we're allowed to say something about another, you know, in, in, in this session about another session, but what fun that was. Oh, my God. It was so amazing. Thanks to everybody that was there. If you missed that and you're watching this recording someday in the future, it's worth checking out. I had, uh, we had Rick Levine, Anne Orderly, Stormy Grace, Christopher Renstrom, don't let me do this, Rick, help me, Jamie McGee, Anna Zaharia, Frank Clifford, and Gemini Brett, and who am I missing? We had nine. Um, Donna Woodrow. Donna Woodrow. Um, Donna. It was great to see Donna. I hadn't seen her in years. Amazing. And so these are all the astrologers who have made consistent contributions to the Astrology Hub Podcast Network. We had them all on a panel event together to celebrate Astrology Hub's seventh birthday. And it was, I mean, it was beyond my wildest expectations. It was so much fun. So, you know, typically a Saturn square, um, a Saturn quadrature, um, when we're growing up developmentally at age seven, approximately, it's the time when we realize that there's a world out there beyond our parents and our home. So, (laughs) so, um, so maybe in some way, you know, from zero to seven, Astrology Hub was Amanda. And now you're, we're reaching that point where it's like your mom, but you're actually setting some of it free so that it can grow on its own. Oh, God, thank you for that. That is exact. I have that deep yearning in me to do that. And go, that's why we started the Astrology Hub podcast network. Because yeah. it's like, I want space for a lot of different voices on this show. So. Yeah, like when your kid's seven years old, you want them the hell out of there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you want some of your life back. I love you just as much as I loved you last year. But go down the street and play with, you know, Susie and Bobby and whomever. You know? Completely. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so this is, um, again, Rick, thank you for doing this. This is really generous use of your time. And I know that we're all excited to learn more about how to use the software. Okay, for those of you who, A, have not yet taken Astrology Foundations with Rick or the chart reading extravaganza, you can go to astrologyhub.com 
slash foundations one astrologyhub.com slash foundations one to get started on that journey. For those of you who are interested in using an astrological software and you would like to use what Rick uses because he's your teacher or you just like what you've seen, you can uh, go to solar fire, but solar fire. And then when you're checking out, use the code hub H U B all in capital, and you'll get a 15% discount when you buy. And the and their site is actually Astrolabe, not Solar Fire. It's, uh, it's it, it's actually alabe.com, a l a b e a l a b e, like for uh, Astrolabe, alabe.com. Ah, thank you for clarifying that. Uh, it's, yes. on, it's on the screen. Yeah, and and Rick's going to reiterate this, but there's a lot of different astrological softwares you can use. The reason why we're doing Solar Fire here today is because. That's what Rick uses. So the students in the class saw him doing all kinds of cool things with the software. and like, how do we do that? But there's a lot of other choices. I think we're going to have Gemini Brett come on and do um, Astro Gold as well, because that's the software he uses. So yeah. again, uh, this I'm is sure, just- I'm sure David Cochran would be happy to come on and, and, and do a show and tell, you know, on Sirius Software or um, Henry with Time Passages. The thing about them, I mean, I'm sure I'm leaving others out, but those are the main programs and Astro Gold. And for those who want the backstory, um, Solar Fire was actually written by the same people that wrote Astro Gold. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of similarities. Astro Gold was simply written for the Mac and for the um, you know and, and for the iPhone or for the you know iOS and uh, Android in, environment. Um, I use that all the time also. Um, but the thing is, is that uh, um, Solar Fire was originally distributed in the United States by Astrolabe, which incidentally is a company that was founded by Rob Hand. That was Rob Hand's old old, old haunt. Uh-huh. Um, and, um, and over the years, because they as a distributor did more and more and they wanted upgrades in the program, um, eventually the not only distribution – but the program itself was sold from um, the Australian group that did the original program, Esoteric Technologies, to um, Astrolabe, which is the kind of why Solar Fire ha- and 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 um, and Astro Gold have so many kind of common feelings and looks to them. That's mm. that, that's the reason why. And incidentally, I should also men- mention two other things before we get into the software. Um, one is that um, Solar Fire has been in the process of being rewritten for more than a year now. It's, I mean, to rewrite a program that's been used for 20 years and to rewrite it from absolute ground up based on newer programming techniques and so on, um, newer programming languages, is a huge, huge, huge thing. And we've been waiting for the new version of solar fire any day, any day, any day for months. And, um, and it's just, that's what happens with software releases, especially with a small company with, you know, just a few programmers like, like Astrolabe. Mm-hmm. Um, but the new version of um, solar fire, when it comes out um, and there's not a beta test yet, I, I, I am a beta tester. So when it, tester and so when it goes into beta i will know but the new version because of the newer technology will run on both mac and pc and there's a lot of people who are waiting for solar fire on the mac 
um, because Astro Gold, it's, it's, it works. Uh, and again, the bottom line is that whatever program you use, whether it's Matrix or Sirius, um, both you know owned by Cosmic Patterns, David Cochran, uh, Time Passages, um, and, and and I mean, all these programs are going to give you the same results. I use Solar Fire because it's what I use, and there's a funny thing in astrology. I, I call it software chauvinism, and that <laughs> is that what you use, whether it's the best or not, you grow accustomed to the system, you learn the workarounds, and you basically end up saying it's the best. Now, <laughs> I would actually say that time passages is the best for some reasons. And I would also say that Sirius software um, uh, is the best for some reasons. And so they each have their own little niches and whatever you're using, great. From a production standpoint, from a standpoint of doing a lot of show and tell that I do, Solifier has some things that I really like in it. Um, I've owned all of them over the years. Um, and I just want to be really, really clear that um, if you're watching this and you're using some other program and going, oh, crap, my, my, my software can't do that. Well, there's probably things in your software that SolarFire can't do. So it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's a, you can't go wrong, even though I must say that I use SolarFire for a reason. And I'll just leave it at that. Mm. It reminds me of the house system debate between astrologers as well. It's like my house system is better than your house system. and yeah. Well, the house system debate is exactly the opposite because the house system debate, everyone's wrong. <laughs> With the software debate, everyone's right. The, the program that you're using, if it works for you, you know, it's better than interpolation, logarithms, spherical triangles, you know, and doing lots and lots of math. I'm good at math, but even in my mathematical um, expertise, if you will, um, it still took me a good two hours or so to just calculate the positions of the planets. And then I still had to go through and look for the aspects and for those of you who know that I use these odd aspects that we'll have a, actually a class on later in the year, more on that in a little bit. Um, I say in a little bit down the road a little bit. Um, it, it's crazy looking for this kind of stuff, you know, by hand, but manually. And that's where some of the programs really, really excel. Um, I would say that um, Sirius Software is on the very high end of looking at harmonic, harmonic analysis, what David calls vibrational astrology. Mm -hmm. um, the thing about time passages is if you're a new or intermediate astrology astrologer, it has such an easy pre presentation. Um, Solifier can be overwhelming. Solifier is highly customizable, and I'm, I'm the Solifier geek. I customize mine. I know people who have been using Solifier for 20 years, and they see a pro, you know, um, a demonstration that I've done online, and I get emails all the time. I know SolarFire. How did you do that? Mm. And there's a lot of things in SolarFire. So, um, and today, just to be clear, you're not going to come out of this, even if you're using SolarFire, you're not going to come out of it um, uh, being a SolarFire expert. I mean, I'm. Um, definitely, if not a black belt, a high-level brown belt in, in solar fire. 
Um, and I still even get stuck at times and go, ah, I'll just let it go and come back to that later. Again, software power is a double-edged sword. You know, the more powerful a program is, the more ability a user has to do things with it, and therefore the more ability a user has to mess things up. Any software program is like that. You know, uh, I mean, whether it's um, uh, Adobe, you know, um, Photoshop or... Um, or Microsoft Word. I mean, the more the more powerful the program is, the more places you can find yourself down the end of some one-way street that led to a cul-de-sac and you can't figure out how to get back. Hmm. Okay, self-proclaimed solar fire geek. I definitely want to jump in to the, the uh, demonstration here. Okay, but that preamp was so necessary. Yeah, so totally. And one more question before we do that. Is solar fire just for PC right now? Yes, Okay. Yes. Well, it's a Windows it's a Windows based program right now although a lot of people um a lot of astrologers use the Mac and use one of the many um Windows um simulators um uh boot camp parallels uh, I'm not a Mac person although I've owned a Mac in the past um I know there are programs that allow you to run that program and a lot of people will run solar fire in that environment. And that's something that the tech support people at Astrolabe would help you with. However, it's not quite the same uh, level of ease um, as just running it in a native environment. And so that will happen for Mac people, but down the road a bit. Yes, Stephanie said parallels. But I think there's another program called Boot Camp that is also... Uh, a thing that allows you to boot your Mac up in a Windows-like environment. Mm, okay. All right. All right. Let's go. Let's geek out. Let's geek out. All right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share my screen with a little bit of luck. Um, you should see the, a screen with a bunch of flashy blue lines on it with a couple of white boxes in the middle. The thing is, is that even the background of Solar Fire is customizable if you boot up your solar fire, it won't look like this because I've just taken this crazy picture that looks like you're inside of a digital chip or something, and I've made that my background. Um, but it, it can be just as well just be a gray or plain background. Um, but uh, when we sign on to solar fire, um, we basically are presented with two windows. One says calculated charts and the other one says current chart preview. Now, it may be that when you sign on, you have no charts here at all. Um, I'm looking at my calculated charts, and I have a worksheet a worksheet chart, a work-in-progress chart that I call dailies that um, is an Aries rising wheel, and I just set that for whatever date I want. I happen to have here the chart of Nikola Tesla because his birthday was just a couple days ago. Um, and then when I turn solar fire on, it will automatically run a chart for the transits for today. I can, in my calculated chart list, I can highlight any of them and I can right click on my mouse and delete it. And it says, now, do you wish to remove that? And so I just deleted one. So here you have your list of calculated charts. Here you have a preview of whatever chart you're clicked on. Um, I know on your screen, this is going to be a little bit small to see some of the um, details. I'll help you out along the way, but highlighted on dailies, the chart for dailies shows 
highlighted on Nikola Tesla. The chart for Nikola Tesla shows um, just in its tiniest form. By double-clicking on um, on either of these charts, let's just double-click on Nikola Tesla. Click, click. It brings up the chart itself. And this is a basic natal chart. However, on your solar fire, your chart will likely look different than mine. Um, and again, this gets to the customization that is available on every level in this program. Um, and the key to most menus is on the screen itself. You can see my cursor moving around on the screen is using the um, secondary click, the right, the right click button by right clicking on the middle. I come up with a whole bunch of menus and we're going to just look at a couple of the simplest ones. Um, and, um, and it's like a really easy thing to just change what points are displayed. Here I'm clicking on displayed points. And what that'll do is that'll come up with a list. Um, in your new solar fire, there'll only be about maybe five or 10. But because I've been using this for so long, every time I create a situation, I will make a list of what I want shown and then I'll save it. So for example, here, what we're looking at right now is um, my default. Um, but if I want to go to what I want to look at when I'm looking at clients, I can go clients with Eris included, click on select. And now I will have extra points, um, including, um, in, including Eris um, and um Let's see, um, uh, right, oh, yeah, so Eris, I was looking for Eris and Aries, which it is for most of us, but 150 years ago, it was, it was in Pisces. Um, I can right-click here and go to displayed points, and I can um, go here and say, I'd like a bunch of asteroids, and you can see now that Vesta and Pallas and Ceres and Black Moon Lilith and there are extra asteroids that are showing. This one little place, displayed points, gives me the ability to go in and out of a lot of things. I can show asteroids, fixed stars. I can define my own points. I'm simply going back right now to what I call my my dailies. Um, oh, by the way, the one some of the ones that come with it is I can just show my inner planets if I want. Inners, click. There's just the inner planets. Um, displayed points. I'm going to go back to my dailies, which is my default. And it just shows the planets, no extra points at all. And the North and South node. Now I can also right click here and I can define user points. I can make up whatever point that I want and say, this is important. And I can make it be a point. Um, I'm going to skip this displayed transiting points for a moment. We'll come back to that in a few. Um, I can change just the points that are being shown on this chart. But here, I can change the aspect set. And again, at first, the menus can seem overwhelming. But if you learn which ones to use, you don't, I don't even use all the menus in all the um, different, um, all the submenus and all the menus. So here under aspect set, I might want to change the aspects that I'm using for the planets. Now, in fact, I can change aspects for fixed stars, Arabic points, and asteroids and other user-defined points, but I'm just, and this is really all I ever use, 
I'm going to go for aspect set planets. And again, your list will come up very short, but I keep adding things and adding things. Um, and for example, um, I've created um, um, an aspect file and you can include whatever you want and then you can save it. So I have one that's called Daily's Simple. And when I click on that, it is basically very, very simple. This is just showing um, my um, blue lines as sextiles and trines, my red lines as squares and oppositions, my green lines as quincunxes, and if there were any semi-sextiles, and the orange lines as half squares and square and a halves. So here's basically where I can make any kind of changes that I want. And I'm only going to do this just to show you that it's available. I'm coming back here to aspect set and I'm changing my aspect set on my planets. And let's say I want to change it so that it's not showing um, uh, half squares and squares and a half. I have edit and I'm now changing what's in that file and I just simply click off on sesquisquare, disable, semi-square, disable. Now I click save, and I come back here, and I redraw. Whoop, what did I do wrong? See, this is what happens. Aspect set and planets, dailies, simple, edit, and... Um, and save, and this is there, and redraw. And for some reason, it's still showing. This is a great way to start a demo, isn't it? Okay, I don't know. We'll come back to that in a bit, too. Let me take you through the loading and creating a chart so that we're going to make this really simple. I went in too far, too deep. I'm not sure what happened, but that does happen. All right, let's say I want to enter in a, um, a, a brand new chart. I come up here to... Um, here, cast a new chart, and in the menu, all these things across the top bring down sub-menus. So this is all chart-related stuff to create a new chart or to change the location on a chart or to, um, or, or to save a chart to a file. All of these are chart-related. Then there's a whole series of things that have to do with how am I going to look at the chart. Um, and I can go here to looking at a chart. We're looking at Nikola Tesla's chart here. If I wanted to look at that chart with an aspect grid, I can click there, and now the chart shows with the aspect grid. Um, I can close that by just clicking on the X, come back here to um, uh, to view, and uh, this allows me to look at a synastry grid or to look at several charts on the same page. There's all different choices here. We're not going to go down that menu too far. Then there's all these reports, reports on current chart, synastry reports. There's full interpretation files if you want them. Um, the dynamic, which I do use a lot, and I'll come back to that in a few minutes. This is for st working with stuff in real time. I, I use this a, a huge amount. For those of you who have seen my presentations um, you know that I often use um, a chart animation. And for example, here, I can go to my dailies. My, that's my normal work in progress chart. Um, and I can call it up um, by telling it to animate the chart. And now I want to go um, to today. So I click on clock. And now we're looking at a chart for July 15th um, at 4.07 p.m., 
And I'm using this with an Aries rising because when I'm doing things online, I don't know where you are on the planet. And the only thing that changes is the house cusp, the ascendant and the midheaven. But wherever you are on the planet, you are experiencing the moon conjuncting Saturn as we obviously are here running into the Saturnian uh, walls that we've run into uh, Amanda not having sound for whatever reason um, and the program not exactly doing what I thought it would do when I showed one thing. So this is the moon conjuncting Saturn. We all have it. But here's the beauty of this. We can click on animation and I can move this ahead or backward by a second, a minute, an hour, a week, um, a month, a year, multiple of any of those. And so if I just want to look at this chart tomorrow, I'm stepping it forward by one day. And you can see that what will move is the moon from 24 Aquarius in one day to eight degrees of Pisces. Another day, it'll be conjoined with Neptune at four in the afternoon on the 17th. By the 18th, it'll be caught up to Jupiter. By the 19th, it'll still be in Aries. By the 20th, it'll be in Taurus. And I can move this rather quickly. And this can be a lot of, not just a lot of fun, but a really learning experience um, by limiting the planets. Um, we, we, can, we can do this. I'm going to right click. Now, let me get rid of the um, aspect grid. We don't need that for what I'm going to be doing here. So we go back to dailies um, and we're going to go first to the animate, back to the clock. That gives us where we are right now. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to, by displayed points, I can change which points I want to be showing and I can have it shown just Mercury or any planets I want. I have a bunch of these things saved for different reasons. But what I have one here that I use a lot, I call it temporary. And this is because I'm a geek and I change things a lot. And I'm going to, just clicking on these, I'm going to actually show just the sun and Mercury, Venus, and Mars. That's all. And now I'm going to select it. And now I'm going to let this animate and I'm going to, it's going to go pretty quickly. But what we're going to watch is we're going to watch the sun moving a degree a day. And then we're going to watch the inner planets as they reach their maximum um, from the sun, they'll go retrograde. So here I'm going to start this. And there's Mercury reaching maximum declination. Um, and then Mercury retrogrades back over the sun. Now Mercury is going direct, catching up with the sun. Venus will get far ahead. Oh, now Mars is, is retrograde because it's opposed. But you can watch this, and you can slow it down a whole lot. You can make the speed go as slow or as fast as you want. But the cool thing about this um, is that it allows you to actually look at a chart in real time and watch planets go around. It's great for education. It's great for showing something to someone else or, or, or a client. So now let's come back to Nikola Tesla's chart. Click, click. But we're now only looking at those few planets. So we got to go displayed points. And we're going to bring back up my default, which is my simple use here of the dailies. All right. Now I can, by right clicking on the wheel, I can actually um, turn the aspect lines on or off. I've just turned the aspect lines off. Right-click. Um, I can actually 
um, put the um, aspect lines. Um, where do we go here? Display, uh, display points, uh, aspected points. Um, card. So here we actually can also um, uh, put my aspect lines back on. But a lot of people like to see what the aspects actually are. I'm going to right-click there, and I'm going back to display options, and I'm going to put in the glyphs, and now you can see the glyphs for each of the different um, each of the different aspect uh, lines that the blue lines are trines, and that this is an opposition, and so on. Um, all right, now let's back up a step, and let's actually enter in a chart just to show how easy that is. I'm going to quit out of this um, menu, and I'm going to go chart. And it's this is new chart data entry. And I get to put here whatever I want. Joe, are you there? Can you hear me? Oh, no. Am I here alone? Oh, okay. Joe, uh, can I get your chart information? Amanda's back. I can't hear Amanda. I'm, I'm here. Oh, Amanda, let's use your chart. Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> All right. Well, I didn't know that. So here is, I put in Amanda's name. And now I put in your date of birth, which is? January 19th. Now I can enter this as January space 19. 1978. 1978. Eight, or, hold on, hold on, hold on. Or I can enter this as one space 19 space just 78. Wow, that's smart. Okay. Uh, 8.15 a.m. 8.15 a.m. Where? Walnut Creek. Walnut Creek, California. California, yep. And when I hit enter here, because I have auto lookup check, it says lookup successful. And this filled in the time zone, the latitude, and the longitude. Now, in entering data, if I want, I can put in comments I can describe life events if I'm entering in someone and all their important date, uh, dates in life. I could put this is the date they were married or or whatever. Um, it says event type. This is really just for your own records, but here we will put in female. Um, and then house system, whatever it is you use. As most of you know, for a natal chart, I typically use coke houses. But if there's Placidus and Regimentanus and zero Aries and various planets on the first house and whole sign houses and Alcabicius and pretty much every house cusp system you could possibly think of. Um, but we're going to go back to Coke because that's what I have it set as. And then for those of you who are doing Vedic astrology, this allows you to use um, um, different zodiacs. I leave mine on tropical. That's what I use. And also here, if you're interested in doing exploration as to what something looks like sun-centered, heliocentric, wow. you can do that. And there are a lot of people, including Michael Erlewine, yeah. um, who was the author of the Matrix software, which is now part of the um, uh, par part of David Cochran's um, Kepler software. Um, they bought Matrix when Michael uh, retired. Um, but heliocentric, if you want it, we're just going to leave that at geocentric. And there's room here also to put in a source rating. This comes from Lois Rodden's system of how accurate is this data, mostly for research. But AA data is from a birth record. A is from memory. X is unknown and XX is totally undeterminable. Uh, I would normally leave this blank if I was working with a client. And then I can put in my source description, Amanda said so. <laughs> uh, 
Or I could put in it came from a newspaper article or it came from Astro Data Bank or from where, wherever it is. Um, and so here we're just going to click on OK. And now Amanda is in this list. And if I want to see the chart, it's showing up here really tiny. But if I want to see it, I can double click on it. Click, click, and it brings up the chart with all of the um, uh, aspect glyphs in the middle. I don't like them. I'm going back to display options and get rid of those glyphs. The color tells me what it is. That's why I color code them. Otherwise, it just gets too garbaged up. By the way, something that everyone asks that doesn't use Solifire or hasn't used it a lot says, how come some lines are thicker than other lines? Those of you who have been to any of the um, any of my classes know that there's a way in SolarFire to program it uh, or to put in um, a, um, a change the program so that the tighter the aspect, the closer to zero orb. Here we have Saturn at 29 Leo 12 and the Sun at 29 Leo 15. That means the orb, which is the number of minutes and degrees that are from exact, the orb here is three minutes of arc, 12, 13, 14, 15, which is um, um, uh, one twentieth of a degree. So look how fat that line is. Now compare that, for example, um, with um, um, the Chiron square sun, um, which is two degrees different. And you can see that line is thick, but still not quite as you know, quite as thick. And then we have the moon opposed Neptune, and that orb is nine degrees, nine and eight or 17 roughly. And look how thin that line is. Now, again, the the level of menus in Solar Fire is, is crazy. But one of the magical things, that, one of my favorite places to go in Solar Fire, that surprisingly... Most people that I know that have used SolarFire for years have never been into this menu. This, they don't even know it's there. And I show it to them and they go, holy smokes. And like I say, when I'm looking at a new chart, it's one of my favorite things. And that is I go anywhere on the chart wheel and I click right. And I come down here to aspect highlighting and filter. And I click on it. And that brings up another little sub menu that has two tabs, highlighting and filtering. So the first thing I want to just show you to get out of the way is that I can change the highlighting here. Um, right now, I have it by relative tightness of orb, and it's multiplying the square times the square. Don't get hung up on the mathematics here. It's just it's it's a way of uh, of how fat I want these lines to get how quick and this is how many times I want to multiply it by I'm going to just take all of this off and apply it and now I have the chart that most people will look at when they look at their solar fire in fact most people will look at this in their in in their um out of the box solar fire and they will see it like that with the aspect grids uh, I'm sorry with the aspect glyphs showing mm. but in order to go from there to where I am it's very easy right click and then display options and turn those um aspect glyphs off and then you go to the highlight and filtering menu which you get to by right clicking and down here is highlight highlighting aspect highlighting and filtering and i just turn the highlighting off i'm going to put it back on just because i like it back all right 
now and i'm going to apply that now this other thing here on filtering i swear this is one of the coolest things in the chart and i don't know who originally put it here in the program but there's nothing like it in the other programs that i know of and i stand to be corrected on that if anyone has this fil- this feature in other programs i go to filtering and what filtering allows me to do is this is all related to aspects It allows me to, for example, um, I click here by aspect pattern, and you can see T-squares there. There's, yep, there's a T-square in this chart. So I can actually go down the list. There's a grand trine in this chart. There's a yod. There's a Thor's hammer. Amanda's a woman who has it all. (laughs) There's no three-point stellium in this chart. Three-point stellium is three or more planets in the same sign. Um... There's no Grand Cross. There's no kite. There's no near kite. There's no mystic rectangle. Um, There's a Rosetta, which is a pattern that I think came from, um, um, well, there's a whole school of much deeper aspect patterns. But here you have a trine, a sextile, and they're connected by squares. Um, Point is, is that you can go down through this in any chart you want. That's great. But let's say... I want to only look at the orbs that are the tightest. Mm. Now, here, I'm going by percentage of orb. This is showing every orb. Now, as I go down here, you'll see the thinnest lines will will disappear. Uh, Watch that Mercury, for example. Boom. Now, I'm only showing um, orbs that are at least 90% 90 of whatever the maximum orb is that I've set. And Solar Fire allows you to set your orbs for any degree for any planet. So now we go down to 90. And now you can see as I go down to 80, you can see the thin lines are disappearing. And the reason why this is cool is I can go all the way down to, let's say, 25% or 20%. And I can see here that the strongest aspect in this entire chart is the quincunx between the Sun and the Saturn, Um, which is interesting from an interpretation standpoint because the Sun and Saturn in Amanda's chart are in mutual reception, meaning that Saturn rules Mercury and the Sun rules Leo. They are in each other's signs, and yet there's an annoyance that they're both stuck in a sign that they're not actually thrilled being in, and, and that Venus is there lined up with the Sun, but that Saturn, that being restricted or having responsibilities, in relationships, and whether that's personal relationships or business relationships or parental relationships, that Saturn is always in some way just niggling, annoying the hell out of that, um, out of the uh, Sun and even Sun, Venus, and Capricorn that have the way that they would do it themselves if they could structure their lives the way they would want it structured. How is that, Amanda? That huh. Wow. Yes. I feel very uh, naked right now. Uh, uh-oh. We'll, get you, we'll get you redressed. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, but do you see how useful that tool is? Um, we can also do this by just say, making up any number and saying we want to show um, anything that has an orb over whatever degree it is. And then we also can do the harmonics. Now, again, harmonics and aspects are the same thing, but a fourth harmonic is the circle divided by four, which is 90, which means that 90 degrees squares, 90 times two, 180 degrees oppositions, 90 times three, that's 270, that's a square from the other side, 
And so with the fourth harmonic, we're showing um, all the fourth harmonic aspects. And we can do this with any um, fifth harmonic as quintiles. Sixth harmonic is going to be not only the sextiles, but because six goes into 360, um, six uh, is 60 degrees, but two times 60 is a trine, 120, and three times 60 is an opposition. And so here we have the sixth harmonic. We could do the seventh harmonic. Look at all those seventh harmonics. That's the weird part of Amanda that she doesn't tell everybody. <laughs> well, it's, you remember, the seventh harmonic is the attraction to those things which are not here, not now, that are complicated and often this is indicative of someone's life who is, they're led by the twists of fate um, as much as they are by their own decision. Oh, yeah. Um, the eighth harmonic, ninth harmonic, and, and so on. Um, so that's by harmonic aspect. Or we can say, I just want to see all of the, um, whatever aspect we want, all of the quincunxes. And we did the aspect pattern, and here's my favorite. Going through a chart and seeing immediately how that planet fits into the rest of the chart. So we can quickly see here that Amanda's Gemini moon is um, nicely wired to the nodal axis very closely. Look at the thickness of those blue lines by a sextile or trine. In other words, that is the point of Thales, the point that is sextile one side and trine the other. The other aspects to the moon are not all that strong, but they are there. The moon is square, Saturn opposed, Neptune and quincunx um, Mercury. But as we go down this list, we can do this for each and every planet. Um, and oh, we skipped over, the. there's the moon, okay, there's the sun, there's Mercury, there's Venus, Mars. And we begin to see how we can see how each planet is connected to the rest of the chart. With the aspects that I have defined, Uranus is kind of like a free radical, Uranus is not connected at all. It's uh, it, it's uh, and Neptune is and Pluto is, and we'll go back now to cancel um, all of this and go no filtering and back. Okay, so that's a cool little menu. And in looking at a new chart or your own chart, that menu holds hours of places to explore as you're looking for different ways to envision or to see is to see your own chart. Okay, so we've drawn Amanda's chart um, and we're looking at it, um, but then we might want to know other information. And there's this little button here that is reports. And under reports, there is a whole, there's more choices here than you'd ever want to make. But for example, it gives you the speeds of the planet. It gives you the um, angles of the chart. It gives you all of the uh, um, house cusps. It gives you each planet's um, zodiacal long longitude, how fast it's traveling. It gives you its latitude, its right ascension, its declination. It shows here that Mars is out of bounds. Can you see how that Mars is in um, bright color? Um, it's interesting because Jupiter is almost out of bounds. Out of bounds means that it's outside of the normal range of the ecliptic, um, 23 and a half degrees. So 23 and a quarter is almost there but 23 and almost 24 is out of bounds, and these planets have their own power. This gives you the azimuth, which is um, the distance of the planet from the point directly overhead, um, and the altitude, which is its 
um, relationship to the horizon. This also tells you the stationary points when they turned retrograde or direct. It gives you the lunar phases, and then it gives you also the cardinal fixed mutable, the modalities, and the um, uh, the sign elements, and the house modalities. And, and if it falls into a particular chart, the uh, Mark Edmund Jones chart, this here says locomotive with the moon being a lead planet. Um, and in fact, um, the locomotive is a, well, in Mark Edmund Jones systems, you don't use the nodes or Chiron, but it's a chart that has things pretty evenly dispersed with um, three empty houses, um, uh, two or three or four empty houses. And so the, the Chiron would not be considered so this would be a locomotive chart, which is driven to fill in that empty part. Now, again, this is all off of that one first little menu. But here we can, and I'm not going to go in depth into each of these, but I just want you to see how deep and wide this is. This gives you all the rulerships. Um, it gives you, if any planets, what planets are dispositing which planets. Um, it, it gives you um, the exaltations. Um, if there's a final dispositor. Um, it says that Jupiter and Saturn are in their detriment um, and that the um, um, moon has accidental dignity. What Accidental dignity is based upon the house. The fourth house is the house of cancer. So the moon in Gemini is one thing that's not doesn't have dignity or debility. But in the fourth house, um, it, because that is cancer's house, the moon is considered to be accidentally dignified. The word accidental means house-related. Anyhow, so this gives you um, all, all of that. Um, this gives you information if you're doing horary. It gives you information um, on the aspects and the uh, and it's just another way of looking at which planets are aspected to which. This is a cool little menu. It gives you the aspects from the tightest aspect. The tightest aspect is obviously going to be the North Node opposed the South Node because they're zero degrees, zero, zero minute orb. But the Moon's trine and sextile are the next closest. And then the Sun um, conjunct Venus is the next closest. And so this just gives you a quick way to see what are the tightest orbs. And this is showing to within three degrees. If I wanted to, I could make that within five degrees and see more planets in, in the list. Um Aspect analysis, again, is just another way of looking at which planets are aspected to which and how tight the orbs are. Um, the planetary sort just gives you the planets in order of the zodiacal, going from zero Aries to um, 29 degrees of um, Capricorn, um, which is actual, or 29 degrees of Pisces, but um, uh, Amanda's sun is at 29 degrees of Capricorn. This gives it to you both in zodiacal and what they call modulus or 360 degree. Um, uh, and then we can go, this is a very cool thing. I, I use this a fair amount because what this allows me to do with whatever aspects I have set up, I can quickly go and let's say, for example, um, we, we know that um, right now Pluto is at um, 27 degrees of Capricorn. So we just go down this list from two degrees of Aries, Cancer, Leo, Vir Virgo, excuse me, Libra. Uh, and there we get right there. And at 27 degrees of Capricorn, we can see that's right next to 28 and 29. And that's conjunct Venus and the sun. I can look at any point in here, um, whether it's another person's planet um, or, you know, someone else, Amanda 
meet someone and that person has a um, has their mercury at um, it, it just doesn't matter. Let's uh, say at um, um, uh, eight degrees of Sagittarius, we come down here to the Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo. Uh, they're Sagittarius. Eight degrees of Sagittarius. That's trine her Mercury, square her Moon, and sextile her Uranus. So you can kind of see it's a very cool little little way of presenting data. And then we have several things that are midpoint listings. Um, and midpoint axes, trees, and modes. I'm not going to get into these right now, um, but these are all very, very useful if you're looking at midpoints. I mean, the simplest thing in the midpoint listing here is in planetary order. Um, we can look at Amanda's chart and, and, and wonder what is the midpoint between um, uh, Saturn and the Sun, well, the faster-moving planet is the sun, so sun to the Saturn. The midpoint is at 14 degrees of Scorpio, and we look at her chart at 14 degrees of Scorpio, and oh my gosh, look how close Uranus is to the midpoint of these two annoying planets on the quin- annoying planets that are quincunx, and yet this being the midpoint in asymmetrical astrology or in cosmobiology, midpoints are real points. And the fact is that this immediately takes that Uranus in Scorpio and it connects it to this quincunx as a release point. So there's something to think about. I don't know if you knew that about your chart. I maybe have heard it, but I did not remember. And that's fascinating. So so midpoints allow you to look for midpoints by the planets. Um, um, but then, But then they also allow you to look for it by degrees. So we could do just as well do this backwards and go, hmm, there's Amanda's Uranus at 15 degrees of Scorpio. I wonder if it's near any midpoints. And so we go down there, Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, there's Scorpio. And at 15 degrees of Scorpio, it shows Uranus. But look, it shows the Sun, Saturn at 14 degrees of Scorpio, 13 minutes. It shows Venus, Saturn right in the ballpark. It shows Neptune, North Node right in the ballpark. And it also shows on the other side, the um, midpoint between um, between uh, Neptune and Pluto close by. So these are all tools to look at the chart, you know, in its form. Um, it, a lot of those menus give you so much information I mean, I know it can be overwhelming, but just having the chart with the aspects, you know, actually is in in itself, you know, a um, a cool thing. By the way, I'm not sure why this just resolved. Remember before I set up that um, aspect sequence to get rid of the semi-squares and sesquisquares? Well, I'm not sure why it didn't on the first click, but it's doing it now. Um, For those of you who are aspect freaks like I am, You can go to that aspect set, and again, you can create whatever aspects you want um, or whatever harmonics you want. Um, As many of you know, I use the quintiles and septiles a lot, but even with those, I have one set up for the quintiles, five. The dot ASP just signified that they're an aspect file. Um, I have one set up for, um, and again, these are, I created them, they're just my own, um, the T means it's wider. I, it's like, uh, so this is um, five wide angle and seven wide angle. Gives you, I, I, I've just given bigger orbs, seven wide. So here we can see if we just clicked on the seven, that would show quite a few septiles in Amanda's chart. But if we then went back to that same 
um, uh, aspects at planets, and we clicked on the seven wide, we might even, well, in, in her case, it didn't make any difference. It opens those orbs up. But that chart, I, Amanda, I don't know if I've ever looked at the subtitles in your chart before. This is a very convincing little story. Um, and, um, and, and here's a place where, and I'm not going to do this, where I would go back to the midpoint. If you were a client that I was working with you over time, um, we already know that the midpoint between the sun, uh, the, the sun, Venus and Pluto, that that midpoint is right near that 15 degree point there, which is tied to this little septile triangle. I would wonder about the midpoint between um, Mercury and um, and Uranus. Um, it may or may not be close to that, um, but I would look for symmetries because symmetry is always is always important. All right, let's back out of this completely, and let's take a look at now. We're still got Amanda's chart here, but let's take a look at Amanda's chart. And let's look at some reports. There's two levels of timing things. Well, there's, there's, there's a few levels of timing things that are really easy to do. One is clicking on Amanda's name and then going up here to dynamic. I said earlier we would be back here and animate this as a bye week. Now, what this means is that Amanda's chart without any aspect lines are drawn here in the middle. There's the Saturn. There's the Uranus at 15 um, Sagittarius Midheaven. Someone asked something about the two degree. Um, what the two degree Sagittarius points to? Yeah, that's the Midheaven. Um, because in old astrology in the United States, we used chart wheels that were pre printed and every house had 30 degrees in it. But it turns out because of the um, distortion as we move away from the equator, that at different times of year, different houses are fatter or skinnier. You can see in effect how fat or wide the first house, even the second house and third house is. But if we look at the um, fourth house and fifth house, they're skinnier. Now, in the old charts, they would have just shown up the same size, but the labels would have been different. Because we're using real house size, we actually, I've set this up, and this is all custom designable, so that the ascendant descendant line is red with an arrow toward the ascendant, and the MCIC line is red with an arrow toward the midheaven. So that arrow there that two degrees is the is 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 the midheaven now what this is showing is this is showing amanda's chart in the center with all the planets where they are now around it and um and and so this is a totally visual way of looking at transits um i might for example wonder how long it will take that pluto to reach the sun and i could do this a day at a time which would take forever or i could do it a week at a time and let that click forward that's still or i could just let it run by itself but it's still look there it jumped and so but it, it the retrograde back it's still we're here in 2023 it's still um has not reached the sun oh there it is so it retrogrades back and forth across the sun Let's do this a month at a time. And now I'm going backwards. So there's the sun um, on uh, basically um, near Amanda's birthday next year. We can back this up another little bit. Um, as we get close to Amanda's birthday and the sun moves from Sagittarius into Capricorn, and the sun will actually, I'm going to move this now back down to a day at a time. You can see 
there's the sun catching up with um, with Pluto, and then therefore this would be her uh, birthday. It's January 19th, January 19th. The sun is lined up the same. But look, Pluto is pretty close to, to um, Venus, and if we put this on automatic, the question is, when does Pluto reach that 29-degree point? And there it is right there. Um, on February 19th, 2023. Um, this isn't always exactly in line because it has to fit, but you can see that it's at 29 degrees and 29 degrees. And if we were to continue that onward, that Pluto will actually go into Aquarius right there at the end of March, and then it will turn retrograde. And so we're now in April, May, there it's retrograde um, in May. And now it's going to back over Amanda's son for the second time, conjoin it right about, um, I'm clicking this now one at a time. Let's see, right about back over her son, right about there. Um, whoop, I get mixed up. I'm going in the wrong direction. There we go. So there it's backed up over her son. That's next July. And we continue it on its way. It retrogrades all the way back to, um, it reaches her Venus again in August of 2023, and then it will station and turn direct. Um, in, there, it's October of 2023. Right there in October, it turns direct, and I'm going to speed this up a little bit. Um, and we're now, there it is, back on her Venus, um, December of 2023, and there's Pluto now heading toward that 29 degree, 15 minutes, and there it is right there. And so visually, we can see that that Pluto will be back on her son for the third and final time um, around you know, the week between Christmas and New Year's of 2023. Now, the point in all of this is that we can take any planet, we can go click on clock and it'll put them back to where they are now. And by animating this, we can animate this a day at a time. We could even do it a year at a time. And this allows us visually to see um, many of you in the uh, chart extravaganzas, I used this when I was tracking Saturn, because here's Saturn um, um, right now, July 15th. Whoop, let's go now. There we go. July 15th, 2022. It'll take a little bit for it to catch up there. It says 2022 there. If we um, click it, it will, it will eventually catch up there. But if I wanted to see when Saturn was lined up with Amanda's um, midheaven or descendant, I could just run this at high speed and you could just follow that Saturn. There it is in 2012. And there Saturn is right there again in around 2000. And you can just see how the planets move around. So this is the dynamic um, bi-wheel. The dynamic tri-wheel is the same thing, except we have the transiting planets here on the outer wheel. We have the natal planets on the middle wheel. I'm sorry, on the inner wheel. And on the middle wheel, we have the solar arc directions. And so this, again, is a good way of working with an individual chart. And again, we can move this ahead a year or two at a time um, or a day or two at a time. If we did it a day, the only thing that we would notice moving in one day would be the moon, the transiting moon. Everything else is barely, barely, barely going to move. But the point here is that these dynamic charts are very cool to be able to look at them in real time. Now, as it turns out, if we're doing charts, that's not what we would normally use. Let me get rid of this and go back to the 
um, um, back to the aspect set and go back to the simple one that I was using, daily simple, and we'll come back there. Now, if I wanted to print out a report, um, there's a thing here that says transits, run transits and progressions, but that same thing is also on the main menu, and I can get to it here. It'll come up with the same thing, um, run transits and progressions. It will take me right to the submenu. Which, um, th that's what, what the submenu looks like. We'll come back to that in a minute. Um, so we can get that either there by going by clicking here, dynamic report, or we can get it just by um, the right side of the chart. Um, and I'm going to go back to Amanda's chart and we'll just grab it by going here, transits. And that brings up that same menu either way. This menu has an entire universe in it. If we were doing a full series of solar fire classes, we could spend an entire hour and a half on this menu alone because this menu is where we create and store all the different transit reports, transits and progressions for that matter, that we want to use transits, transits, progressions and directions. Like the others, it will come up with an entire list. Um, all the ones with the little squiggles with the tildes before it are ones that I've added. The ones that it had originally were, were just down here but I've added even some of those. So for example, by clicking on client outers, one, two, three, four means conjunction, opposition, trine, and square for four years. And then I click on view. That will run a report that will give me all of the conjunction squares, trines, and oppositions of Jupiter, Saturn, Jupiter, first you can see, Saturn, Uranus, Neptune, Chiron, and this has the nodes in it also, I could take just as well, take them out. I could take out anyone um, or put anyone in that I wanted. But the cool thing about this is this lets me see all the Jupiter aspects together and all the Saturn aspects. Notice how there are fewer and fewer as you go to the slower moving planets. Ah, except for Pluto, because it's making so many hits on her sun and Venus. And these will show up within a day or two of the things that we saw graphically earlier, we can see that the sun will conjunct, uh, I'm sorry, Pluto will conjunct the sun on February 19th, 2023, retrograde conjunction on July 16th, and then direct conjunction on December 27th, 2023. And so this is like a list of all of those. Um, this is incredibly useful, but the thing that I find even more useful that again, Many people who have been using this report from Solar Fire forever don't know that if they click on time map, they get this wonderful, cool little thing here. And this thing basically shows the same information, but it's in graphic form so that I can, and, and it's showing these for um, the second half of 2020, 2021, 22, 23, and the first half of 2024. And so I can see, for example, that. We are now in 2022, and we're at the beginning or at the third quarter of 2022. Um, July begins the third quarter, the end of the second quarter. And I come down here, and I can see that Jupiter trined Amanda's Midheaven back on May 24th. This line means it goes retrograde. It trines it a second time retrograde on October 5th, and then a third time direct on next January 10th. 
that January 10th is in 2023. Jupiter also trines her Mars. um, And within that period of time, on a different sequence, it squares her Mercury. So we can see from this this little chart that Jupiter trines her Midheaven and Mars, um, and then it um, squares her Mercury. Then it retrograde squares her Mercury. Then it makes those trines again. Then it makes the final trines a third and final time, and it ends up squaring her Mercury. Um, now, again, we can interpret this, you know, as the Jupiter trining Midheaven and Mars as being, um, you know, a fruitful time with career and opportunity. And obviously, we look back toward the end of the May, of May. That's already occurred, but we're coming up to early um, um, October. And in the middle, though, we see that there's some squares um, to Mercury, which may be problem of growing too much or too fast. That's Jupiter squaring Mercury and maybe some communication um, you know, problems in here, one um, uh, in um, June and the other in August. When you run lots of dates, these get totally run over from one another. So you can double click there and get up a little box that has the exact dates along with a little interpretation. These interpretations are not bad, by the way. Oh, and I'm glad this came up because if you're learning astrology, not only transiting Jupiter square Mercury is a danger of acting or speaking before you think, um, make impulsive, making, uh, avoid making impulsive decisions rashly, a lot of things going on at once, blah, 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 blah. Okay, let's get rid of all of this. Oh, no, before I do this, let's come down to Saturn where we can see there's much less going on. And in fact, there's n- really no... Uh, this is this is like a Saturn-free zone from traditional aspects. You know, Saturn um, made a trine to Pluto back in um, in uh, February, um, and it doesn't make a, another aspect, a traditional aspect, until next February. But then we come down a ways more, and we look at the Uranus for 2022, and we can see that Uranus has been squaring her ascendant and is now. Um, she's in that Uranus opposition period of time. Uranus opposed Uranus is like a Saturn return where we take on responsibility. Uranus opposed uh, Uranus is we want to get rid of it. Even if you're the CEO founder of a company, that Uranus opposed Uranus says, hey, wait a minute, my life's going by. I'm not young anymore. I'm not old yet, but boy, there are things I want to do and I better do them now. So this can be a little bit of restlessness that appears else. All right, let me get rid of this. Let me get rid of this. And again, these this menu here allows you to save whatever selections you want. You can pick any planets you want. You can start them based upon someone's birthday or how many years ago. Um, and you get to choose whether you want the planets. I mean, let's say, for example, I'm doing research and I don't want transits to erratics. I want to see transits to transits meaning the transits that are occurring in the sky. Um, and I only want to see them um, for um, Jupiter and Saturn. And so I already have a file that's Jupiter and Saturn that, in fact, I could edit and put other planets in or out. That's by how I customize these. But I already have that, so I'm going to select it. And I want to start this um, in 1900. And I want to run it for um, 150 years. So I do this all the time for research. I mean, this is like something, this will show me basically 
Um, let's just have it show what aspects I want. Let's have it just show the um, um, conjunctions and oppositions. So <clears throat> this is now going to show me the second harmonic, conjunctions and oppositions for Jupiter and Saturn over a 150-year period. I hit view, and what would have taken me days to calculate by hand, I immediately have that Jupiter and Saturn were conjunct in November of 1901. They were opposed in 1910-11. They were conjunct in 1921. Remember, the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction thing is the 1900, 1920, 40, 60, 80. So always within a year, um, you see them opposed in 1930-31, conjunct in 1940, opposed in 50-51, even into early 52, um, conjunct, um, in 61, opposed in 6970. Take this all the way down to the grand conjunction that occurred <clears throat> um, in this, on, um, on the solstice uh, in 2020. And that was a conjunction that occurred in Aquarius. Um, and you can see here how, um, you know, how the aspects um, change from, from element to element. Um, and this 2021 being the first of air um, into a, into an air sign. That, that's only the conjunctions, not the oppositions. By the way, we can sort this by aspect, which means we get all the conjunctions up there and then the oppositions down there. Why do we have more oppositions? Well, opposition means that a planet is retrograde. And so during the opposition, we're always going to get the one, two, three of Saturn, the retrograde. Um, and that is just a flavor and a taste um, of that transit analysis. All right, I'm going to take a, um, oh, I was going to say I'm going to take a breath and see if there's any questions. I'm sure there are a lot. Understand that we've just taken a dance into the top of this. There's, um, we did a chart for Amanda. Let's say I was going to do another chart, uh, enter in another chart, and I want to do a chart for someone named Xavier, um, Xavier Jones. And it doesn't matter. Um, I'm going to leave everything else here. I just want the name in there. And then I'm going to click OK. That's really just a chart for now. So Xavier Jones was just born. Now, the other piece of all of this is that as I create charts, it will save them into a database. So if I want, I can open my database, and this is now in alphabetical order. Um, I can put it in order by date. So my oldest chart is a chart for the first Hanukkah back in um, 165 BC. It's an estimate. Um, I have lots of charts here for, you know, 07 to 00, um, uh, potential charts for the birth of Jesus just an area of exploration. But then you can see there's charts here for different dates, um, uh, for oppositions. Um, here's a chart for Rumi in 1207. These are ordered by date. Um, and so I come down this, this actually has 7, 000, nearly 7,000 charts in it. And I come down here and the most current looks like it's an accident. Um, um, but right here, um, you can see here's... Um, the current charts for, um, um, I did one for Xavier, who I thought would be buried in here somewhere. Right, it's, it's in here somewhere. But the point is, here they're ordered by, um, by date. Oh, I changed the year, uh, the year on it. I don't remember what I changed it to. 
But if I want, I can do the same thing by first name so that as I come down here to, through the A's, uh, oh, and I can actually even type AMA, which will bring me down to the AMAs. And there is um, Amanda that I entered in as the 6,335th chart. But here's also the same chart, and this is the 6,900th chart. So you, they're both they're both her. And if I had done this by date, the two of them would actually be right next to each other. We go to 1978, and, and are we on December? No, January. Um, <clears throat> there we are. And so here we see um, the two Amandas that are now side by side. And in fact, I don't need this one because I already have the correct one in here. And so I can go here and do a quick delete and delete selected charts. And uh, do I want to confirm? No, just delete it. So I have a whole system here of managing um, uh, files that I can call up anybody's file at any time. Um, for example, if I wanted to call up the chart um, by either first name or last name, um, I can do either. either. Um, and um, so I reverse chart names to get last name. And I just click here and I go T-R-U-M. And there is the chart for, oh, I hit an N by mistake, but there is the chart for Trump. So the point is here that once I have a chart run, I can move in and out of it. I can save it. I can bring up groups of charts. I can display multiple charts at once. Um, uh, for example, if I wanted to display all the charts that we've been looking at today so far, um, I can go um, view and here I can put four um, four wheels on, on one place and I can pick Nikola Tesla's chart, Amanda's chart, um, whoever this chart is I made up and Daly's I'll save having to put Amanda and Donald Trump next to each other, um, whether like that or not. And I go view and there's multiple charts set up on on one page. So um, again, the, the it is a complicated program because it does so much. However, if you use a program to calculate the charts, to do the some of the things that we looked at with the aspects and looking for information on the chart and the transits, I mean that's mostly what most of us will do. This does allow me to also manage my appointments and my client list if I'm doing that. Um, the the preferences here are about customizing what is appearing on my menus and what's what I want to save. Um, for example, just to give you an idea again, um, in the preferences menu, um, I can actually have this um, select two digit dates. If I type it, this says 1930 to 2029, meaning that if I type in someone's birthday, January 1st, 1931, I could go 1131. But if they were born in 1928 and I went 1128, it would type me in uh, automatically 2028. So I even have that level of control. Um, there's um, the interpretations. Um, there's a places database and what I want to add the database. And this has pretty much every little tiny post box, you know, in the United States for that matter, in the world, I've rarely run into a place that is not in this massive database in charts itself. Um, I can set up which charts I 
Um, I, I want to convert from, uh, if I have them in an older format, um, I can even do auto run stuff. I have this set up so that when I turn on solar fire, it automatically, um, calculates a chart for the transit for the current. I'm sorry. Yeah. For the current moment, um, there is a complete ephemeris. Incidentally, the ephemeris in solar fire, um, you can see that it, the, the directory folder title is called Swiss EPH. Swiss ephemeris. There was a question early on about using Astrodienst. Um, 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 the Astrodienst is the absolute peak of accuracy in astrological calculations. Um, the um, uh, owner, founder, programmer, um, Alois Trindl, Alois Trindl, um, uh, is a PhD physicist, and he not only created the programs on Astrodienst, or at least most of them, I know he has programmers working for him now, um, but he also developed the Swiss ephemeris. And so I'm only pointing out that even a program like SolarFire licenses the Swiss ephemeris, which is a product of Alois Trindl, which is part of Astrodienst. So for those of you who are using Astrodienst online, its limitation is its its limitation is that you can't customize it as much as you can customize other things. I apologize here. I'm getting rid of a phone call. Except it won't let me do it. All right. I apologize. Um the disadvantage of Astrodienst is you need to be online. And also it is limited, for example, um, although they do quintiles, they don't do septiles. It wouldn't work for me. Um but it is a an absolutely valid and useful um, tool. And for those of you who don't know, attached to um, astro.com or astrodienst, same site.com, there is a site called astrodatabank.com, which has tens of thousands of birth data on famous people dead and um, living and um, end past and dead. Um, and it's a great resource. But here's where you would set that up. Here's where you'd set up how many times, how, how close within a direct or retrograde you want it to appear to, um, stationary. You'd set up eclipses. You'd set up which glyphs you want to use. Some people like that, this Capricorn glyph and some people like the European one. There are different, here's where you'd set up different, um, here's where you'd set up uh, when you printed a chart um, that it had your name on it. Um, um, house cusp system, which ones you wanted to use as default and so on. Point is that as you go through these menus, they're all useful, but you don't necessarily, you can get by by doing the ones that I talked about at the very, very uh, top. And that is entering a new chart, looking at it. Oh, one thing I did want to show on entering a new chart that I forgot to um, we'll look, use um, uh, Donald Trump's chart for this. And that is that um, there are different wheels. And actually, if I go here, I might get that off screen thing. And if I do, I'm just going to close it down. Um, so there's different wheels that I, that, that I have, um, wheel styles. And right now I'm looking at a Una wheel, meaning it's a chart for one person. But I can change my styles for all these different wheels, and I'm going to click on Uniwheel and see, ah, and, um, and perfect. It came up with this sub-menu, um, and again in here, I've added 
<clears throat> a whole lot of stuff. But going to you know one, this is the chart that is default. This is the chart that you would get um, without the thick lines, you know, when you first get solar fire because this is Una, Unawheel 1, but there's a whole variety of Unawheels. Here's the house numbers. I'm just going to click down some of them, and you can see the variety of these wheels. Now, it turns out that um, that there's also wheels for having different, uh, uh, different signs rising. Um, these are all wheels that I created. Um, there's... Um, a bunch of them that actually say Rick. And interestingly enough, when you buy Solar Fire out of the wrapper, um, you get this chart. It's called, uh, it might be called Rick, Rick Levine. I'm not sure what it's called on the original um, Solar Fire, but because I've customized so many of them, they use some of my customized charts, this being one of them. Um, but often I'll use a very, very, um, a very, very simple version of that, less color. Um, or a chart that um, has for whole sign houses that doesn't have the zero. It's again, this is all completely customizable. Um, there's one that I use sometimes that has the house cusp numbers. I've designed all these myself. Oh, here's the ones that come with it. The ones that come with it um, is the um, this one and and this one. They both come with Solar Fire. But there's charts. There are the Huber charts, and Hubers develop the whole complex patterns um their charts are in here um there's a lot all, all the european wheels for those of you who like the european wheels which have the various size houses i'm going to come back to the one that i use simple and um and that is enough now let me um just get out of this stop screen share and hopefully now the screen is gone and i am there I don't see Amanda or Joe. Hey, Amanda. Hi. Hi. So you've been very, very quiet. You let me rant on my own. Um, I, I don't know how to, do, you know, one can take this. And incidentally, there are a number of how to do solar fire um, that are more course-like. This was not intended to be that at all. This was simply intended to be like an overview. I mean, we, we did that in a, an hour and a half, roughly. Um, and it really was an overview of what it does. It's not going to be something that you remember if you do it again. You're not going to be able to go in and out. And, um, uh, and if people are interested at some point in time, if we wanted to turn this into a, a short series of an actual class, I'd be absolutely game to do that. Um, I'd create a sensible curriculum that would have the step-by-steps, but that wasn't what this was intended to be. This was intended to be a demonstration of, uh, of the complexity of the program, but how if you focus on certain areas, you can get in. I mean, in, in 15 minutes, I can have anyone able to use SolarFire to create a chart, print it out, look at it, do transit, turn the computer off. Mm. I think it could be cool to go through the Astrology Foundations course and almost have like a complimentary, here's how you do this thing you just learned about on Solar Fire, like segment, you know? Anyways, we can talk about the best way to do it, but I know yeah. from the comments that people who use so Solar Fire are stoked because they just learned a bunch of new things that they didn't know how to do before. 
So I think that was really, really helpful. Uh, people asking, like, what's the difference between Solar Fire and Astro Gold, which we talked about. One at this point, it, Solar Fire is for PC, Windows, and Astro Gold is for Mac. Although Solar- Astro Gold is also for iOS and Android. All right. And so I, I run Solar Fire on my Android phone. And I run it on um, on on my iPad all the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, people wondering about the cost, which I actually don't know off the top of my head. Do you? Might be three ninety five. I can tell you in a real quick second. Something like that. Yeah. And but, and again, but by the way, one other thing. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I don't want to forget this. And I meant to come back and show it to you. Um, but when you have a natal chart up, any point you double click on click, click, comes up with an interpretation of what that is. And any aspect that you click on, click on Mars, click, click on Saturn, click, Mars, Saturn, square here, and it has an interpretation. You can change and you can alter those interpretations, and those interpretations can be wired into reports. Wow, Um, amazing. Okay, so I'm hearing that with the discount that you get when you put hub capital h-u-b in when you're ordering it's around three hundred dollars and renee's asking is there a yearly fee i don't think there is right you just no. buy it once no you buy yeah, it once they they do charge updates they have updates i'm thinking that if you buy solar fire now you get the new update i i don't know you, you, the best thing to do is to call them. They are really, really good on the phone. I know they, they like you to order online and you can do that. But if you call them, whatever questions you have or email them with the questions, they will answer that. Um, but you do, you buy the program outright, but they do charge then minimally for major updates. Hmm. Uh, Joe, can you also put the website on the screen? It's, it, what, what is it again? A- Alabe, A L A, there it is. Alabe, A L A B E dot com. Right, okay. standing for Astrolabe is the name of the company. Yeah, and with the code, it looks like Olivia uh, is asking how much with the code again. It's around 300, we believe, with the discount. But go and check because we're not positive. Um, okay, well, wow. <laughs> Rick, I've never had a reading with you, by the way, which is just amazing. I mean, so I got some nice insights. Neither, neither, have, had, neither have 900 other people who are waiting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and somebody else was saying what this is showing them is that there's 0% chance that they're ever going to read charts themselves. Well, let, that- me, let, me, let me say, so, let me interrupt you here and say something very clearly because knowing the planet signs, houses, and a few aspects, astrology, you can find the person who is the most technically capable astrologer in the universe, and you would not necessarily want a reading with that person. Mm. I would take the reading with the person any day over that person, I would take the reading with the person who was who had life experience, who was able to be vulnerable, who had a sense of counseling and working and listening to other people, and was someone who I actually respected the choices that they've appeared to make. Don't mm. get fooled by the technical stuff. Just because I can jump through hoops looking at midpoints and or septiles, you can get to a chart by just looking at the sun, moon, and ascendant and Saturn and do a reading if you're in tune because the chart allows you to open up to the questions and a real reading is not about one person top down authoritatively telling the other person it's about interaction so don't get misled by the I can't do a reading until I've learned how to do parans or 
um, or um, zodiacal releasing, you know, or, you know, harmonic midpoint analyses. It just, it's, that, that is a, um, I, listening the other day to the birds and um, um, one of their early albums, there's a beautiful song, I think written by Roger McGuinn, and, it, and he's, he's drifting through space and he continues drifting. And he says, I saw the great blunder my teachers had made, scientific delirium madness. Oh, wow. And you know what? That's so true. I've had, re- I mean, I've had readings with some of the quote unquote best astrologers at different times who, who literally could come on this platform and teach anything or many things. Um, and it's not always, it's not always the most helpful. It's not always no, the most it, it, Abraham Maslow, great psychologist of the 1960s, 70s, 80s. Um, wrote, he's the guy who did the hierarchy of needs, Maslow's yeah. hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. He wrote, a hammer sees a world full of nails. Mm. What that means is that what techniques we learn, we want everything to filter through those techniques. Mm-hmm. And so the geek who's learned every technique in the universe can't wait to talk to you about how the the midpoint of your inverse concave upside down harmonic of some planet that doesn't really exist that might exist because it's and i'm not making fun of those techniques just to be clear right. i'm making yeah. fun of the idea that we think we need to know all those techniques to be useful in talking human to human and having some astrological knowledge thank you thank you for that it, it can be really overwhelming and yeah. so it, amanda it's overwhelming to me I, yeah. I can sit in a room. I might have told you the story, but at Norwalk, I sat down with um, oh, it was Demetri George and, and uh, a couple of other astrologers um, who were brilliant scholars of the Hellenistic to medieval period. And there was about, and I was with, the, with four, four of us for about two, three hours. And there was a period of about 45 minutes where I just sat with my mouth open. And I think Demetri asked me at one point, are you okay? It's like, yes, but I have nothing to add to this conversation. I, I don't even, I know what you're talking about. I'm just amazed that you guys know these things, know them well enough that the other people are commenting and adding to what you're saying. And then you're adding back. I know you're not making this shit up. I, but but the, my point is that that there is no end. And, and, and quite frankly, I thought I knew a lot more astrology about 20 years ago. Understand, 20 years ago, I was practicing astrology for 30 years. Oh I began God. doing astrology in, in the late 60s, early 70s. 20 years ago, I thought I pretty much had it wired and knew what I needed to know. And today, I feel like I don't know shit. Oh, my God. Well, you know what? That's both reassuring and it is reassuring. And the fact that you sit at a table and there's people talking about things that you don't get, because I, I know that there's it's a lot of people didn't get it. It's not that they didn't get it. They were talking about the frontispiece in a particular book and they were trying to, and, and whether it was written at the same time that the book was or not. And they were talking about what they were saying. No, that didn't come into existence until the 800s. And this book was written in 600, but so-and-so said it back. I mean, it was that kind of, it, whoa. Whoa. There's no end. You yes, know? there's no end. And and someone says, uh, Velma says, it seems it's best to have a specialty planet aspect and focus on that. Or I mean, there's just like you know, you did a few Maybe, things. But then you become, but then you become the hammer that sees nails. The danger, uh. of, the danger of that is that if you're the person who is focusing on on Neptune or focusing on Pluto, um, you're seeing everything as 
trauma or confusion or artistic creation and you're missing the day-to-day workings of, you know, Saturn. Um, I, I, I believe that generalism is much better than specialism until one gets to a point where you have enough generalism down that you can always go back to that, even though you might have the special. Mm, that's, that's good to hear. Well, and any of you interested in, in learning how Rick approaches a chart, learning how Rick puts the pieces of the charts together, uh, you can join the Astrology Foundations class and, and learn. And so that's astrologyhub.com slash foundations one. We have that's there's, uh, there's level one. Yep, we have level one. We have level two, and then we have the chart reading extravaganza series, which goes with the foundations, and that's where Rick is demonstrating live with students how he does chart reading. So that whole series is available. You can um, start at astrologyhub.com/foundations one, and this is a lifelong study. I mean, this is the thing. You know, I, w- I would like to, since we've done level one and level two, I would love to teach an unlevel one. Nice. <laughs> un- unle- unleveled. <laughs> unleveled. Okay, good. I like that. Let's talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> Everybody, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for, for uh, your interest. Thank you for your curiosity. Rick, thank you so much for that incredible demo. I mean, I know that people will be able to go back and look at it over and over. And what did he do there? How, where did he click? Uh, so this will be the gift that keeps on giving. And we're going to put it in your course portal for the students of Astrology Foundation. So it'll live there with the rest of your course materials. And um, yeah, anything else you want to say, Rick, before we close up? Nice seeing you again. Happy birthday. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to see you. Um, And nice to see all of you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being a part of our community. And thank you, as always, for making astrology a part of your life. We'll catch you on the next episode. Take care, everyone.